welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. We are back, Crank and I, that is, with yet another extra special guest uh, this evening. And that is Mr. James Appleton from the 46 of 46 podcast. Welcome back, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you guys wanting me to come back. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So James is not only the host of the 46 of 46 podcast, but he is an Adirondack 46er himself. Have you done one or two rounds or more than that, James? I'm actually about to finish my second official round. I'm at the point where it's like if I hike a couple mountains a few times, I'll have like three or four rounds done quickly. So it's like once I finished the first round, there was never any sort of effort to do a second round it's just hmm. like kind of naturally been that way so like some mountains i've hiked like eight or nine times um but yeah i'm actually officially about to finish the second round in the next couple weeks well, but uh that's, yeah, that's, where I, that's where i currently lie yeah awesome so maybe uh, Crank, that means like the next time we do phelps it'll be better yes <laughs> yeah great mountain. we're not doing phelps ever again <laughs> okay got it copy that um james is also an author and an official Adirondack guide, as we will discuss all of this. And James is also a runner. So that was a really long intro, but welcome. Yeah, so, thank you. Our pleasure. So the last time we interviewed you, we spoke about your 46er journey and your podcast. And a couple of weeks ago, I got a text from Tumbles. Like, you have to listen to the latest 46 of 46. James ran a half marathon. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so since we are runners ourselves, I popped it on. And you did a fantastic job, as you always do, of telling the story of your, not only your first half marathon, but your longest run ever by times three. Thank you. Um, so... It was a pleasure to listen to, and we kind of wanted to pick your brain. So for those that did not listen to that episode, and everybody should be listening to the 46 of 46 podcast. It is um, a requirement when, for the Rocks and Roots podcast to listen to the 46 of 46 podcast, yes. I appreciate that. You guys are <laughs> too nice. listen to us if you're not listening to James. <laughs> <laughs> so when and where was that race? Uh, that was here in Lake Placid, where I live. Uh, so actually, the the route of the race was like places that I run all the time roads. I've run it. It literally, the race went past my house. So yeah, it was, it was very local. It was the Lake Placid marathon and half marathon is what it was officially called. Well, that's great. I mean, uh, starting the episode, you said your daughters were in like a, a, a child's race, kids race, fun run. Yeah. It was just the day before, you yeah. know, well, you know, well, like people are set up and they have the whole, you know, the whole town set up hub with all the booths and the vendors. They did like a kid's run where you run one lap around the, the Olympic speed skating oval, which is where it was. And then, you know, they all get a medal and the medal is last year's uh, like leftover medals. That's what they gave to the kids. But uh, that's a good so, idea. Yeah, it was fantastic. And the girls got out. My girls wanted to go do it. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge supporter of anything athletic and getting your body to sweat so they said they wanted to do it i was like yes let's go up and do it and uh we did and they had a great time but yeah that was the night before the actual race and then you decided to kind of on the fly to go from running only three miles ever as your longest to do in the half marathon well actually i had run a 10k once oh, okay. uh, which was okay. six miles so i did 
I did a 10K last year. But when I did that 10K, yeah, three miles, it was the most I had run. So I've actually, like, each time I've done one of these running races, it's doubled what I've ever done. Because I, I'm just, because you said I'm a runner in the in the intro, and I'm actually, like, I'm a 220-pound power lifter. Like, I'm a, I'm a person who's built for power and speed and you know like i'm a big guy so running is not my thing i just started incorporating running into my training last year yeah it's been about a year and probably like a year and a quarter now that i've incorporated running and it It all just started with the desire to because as someone who trains for powerlifting and does a lot of squatting and deadlifting your your body can get a little grizzled so Mm -hmm. it's like i decided to incorporate something else that would just simply help my body move better and since obviously you know i do a lot of hiking i'm in the mountains i need my body to actually function and move as well as be nice and strong is what i'm always trying to do so i started incorporating running one day a week and it started as like, okay, I'm going to put a 10 minute timer. Cause I just did not, did not care for running, never have. And then I was like, okay, I could run 10 minutes without having to stop. That's great. And then it just progressed, it progressed, it progressed. And then, uh, eventually I was running two or three miles and, uh, that's where, that's kind of where I, even to this day, like even right now, I kind of usually cap it at that two to three mile marker. Cause again, I'm just running to maintain the ability to do it. And because mm-hmm. it helps just kind of everything else feel good. Um, yes. so I just do it once a week. Um, and it's like anything, I mean, everyone, every runner will tell you, well, if you run every day, you're not going to feel great. Or, you know, it's just like, you just kind of have the right amount of stuff. So for me, just like running once a week helps. And, uh, that's kind of what I've added to my training. And I thought the night before the marathon, it's like, you know what, screw it. Let's just, let's do it. Why not? I know right. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm very confident in the training that I do and you know, what i what I do and my mindset and kind of where my brain is at. So I, I had a feeling that I could do it and I told myself I could do it. And I was able to finish in two hours and six minutes and 16 seconds, I think was the time. That That's an amazing so time. Well. I mean, and they say that 80% of a, a race is in your head and, and the 20% is the physical aspect of a run. Uh, especially for those longer distances. I mean, even at my fastest half marathon, I think I got to 213. So 206 is is absolutely incredible. That's when I was maybe about 40 pounds lighter too. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. It was fun. And I, I I mean, I'm, I completely agree with that sentiment that it's 80% metal because I mean, when you start telling yourself that you can do this, whether it's, whether you're running a race, whether you're, on a trail trying to get to the top of a mountain like you tell yourself you can do it and it's amazing that when you start to believe that and you know let that lead you the things that you'll do and the places you'll go and what you can accomplish and then you know you build some momentum and it just keep building on that momentum and soon you become very confident in what you can do and how you can push yourself and i i just that sort of stuff gets me pretty fired up so it was like all right, it's time for you to do this half marathon. It's right here. It's tomorrow. You're actually home <laughs> this weekend because um, I travel for work, so I'm not always home. And I was like, okay, let's just let's do it. It'll be done. But I was like thinking to myself, all right, so it starts at, uh, it starts at 8 a.m. You only have six hours to do the whole thing. So I was like, well, I could – I mean I could walk 12 miles, 13 yeah. miles in six hours. So, that, I mean I'll, I'll finish unless I hurt myself, but I was like, okay, I'll still have plenty of time to like go home, shower, spend some time with the kids and then go back, you know, go back to New York to work for the week. So I was like, okay, uh, the time worked out. So I was like, all right, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. And 
I had a couple goals going in. The goal, the two goals were one to finish. Obviously, mm-hmm. that was goal number one. And goal number two was simply to do it without having to stop to walk. That was kind of my that was my uh, personal challenge to myself. But yeah, before this, I had run a 10K, which was six, which is six miles last October. And then other than that, I just, you know, like I told you, the once a week, one mile, two, three miles, that sort of thing. And yeah, I just found my pace and I let it rip as I talk about in the podcast episode. But that's, that's what I did. I mean, there's no, uh, that's just what I did. So every race that you've done so far, you, like you said, you doubled. So um, now you're up, you could do a marathon. <laughs> uh yeah talk about a talk about a completely different animal what that would be because you know it's like obviously everybody makes that joke and uh my wife says I will never I will never count anything out for what you decide to try to do and I appreciate Aww, that that's lovely and yeah. uh you know I also like could very well believe that yeah I'll probably sign up one day right now in this moment doing this podcast absolutely no interest but uh <laughs> There could be a, a time at some point in the world. But for right now, the half marathon was – it's funny because right around the six-mile point, too, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I've, I've had enough. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is cool. I'm ready to go home. So actually with that in my mind because that same 10K that I did last year, which was the first time I had run in any sort of organized anything outside of just regular sports, um, it's a half marathon or a – 10k so i was like as of right now i'm like yeah i'm definitely just gonna sign up for the 10k again but you know the day before i might just be like ah let's just push yourself a little bit you for you know it's like you you, you climb a mountain for so long and at the end of the day you get back to the trailhead and you're like man i need a break from the woods i'm never climbing that mountain again that sucked (laughs) and then you know a week later you're like no i'd like to go back in the woods right now and then six months later you're like hey you want to go do that that mountain that sucked so bad you're like yeah sure why not you forget about the pain and realize it wasn't that bad so there could be that element come october but as of right now yeah marathon's not on my radar at all but never say never 100 percent um it, it's different also i mean you've been you've been doing your runs uh road uh, on the road i'm assuming throughout the year uh did you find it not even difficult but maybe a challenge to to road run since you're always on trail or did you find mm-hmm. it easier? Actually, it's funny because uh, a friend of mine, his wife is doing a 10K trail run. And he was like, hey, you should sign up and do that with her. And I was like, I like running on the pavement because yeah. I don't have to focus on the feet. Whereas, And I, I've done some trail running just because there's some like really nice woods trails around my house. So I've just, you know, I go out and instead of just walking them, I'll just go run. So like, I, I know what it's like trail running and man, just always looking at your feet and having to focus on every step so you don't fall. But but that's also what a lot of people say. Well, that's what keeps you in it. You don't remember the heart kind of beat part of it because mm-hmm. you're focused on where your feet are landing. But that's actually like what I like running on the road for the reason of not having to think about that. I just listen to some tunes and uh, breathe and just exist that's kind of uh, how i feel so I, I tend to enjoy the road you can kind of go on autopilot yeah exactly and for me that's that's kind of a that's kind of the the point of it all is just to get out and do it to maintain the ability to do it and uh yeah go on autopilot toss a nice podcast on or listen to the same music i've listened to for 25 years and refuse to listen to anything new you know <laughs> the same old stuff that's uh that's what i tend to do when i'm out there so what was your recovery time like and 
do you think doing all of the mountains aided in because someone going and doing a half marathon for the first time after only doing six miles ever and only doing three miles on the regular um would probably be wrecked so what was your recovery time like and do you think doing the mountains regularly um aided your recovery Mm -hmm. uh the recovery time so so i had to work the next day you know it was sunday so the next day was monday so i had to drive back and go to work and whatnot so i i remember feeling like during the race uh my quads and my calves specifically like one of my calves in particular were like they were what were getting sore and tight but um thankfully the joints during the race completely fine because in my opinion once joints whether you're hiking or you're squatting in the gym or whatever when it's something like a joint pain versus muscular pain joint is like shoot something's wrong Mm. muscular muscular is like oh i'm just tired thank god it's the muscles that are clearly the muscles are doing the work and taking the brunt of it because they're tired but the following days uh yeah that's when my hips and my knees were definitely uh they were barking oh uh, no my joints but it was fine i mean again my recovery time uh, so I, I live this lifestyle that that I do something physical and break a sweat seven days a week. Uh, I you know I have this whole kind of this whole world that I have created for myself, and I'm on day five hundred and twenty five, I believe, as the yeah, five twenty five today. So I'm always doing something that will break a sweat. So some days it might be hard training, some days it might be squatting and deadlifting or bench pressing or going for that little light jog. So. For me, after Sunday was today was the okay. This is my physical activity for today was mm-hmm. go run the half marathon. So come Monday, it was like okay, I had to. It was Monday. It's, it's a new day. I have to do something physical today. Why? My body works. My body functions. I should be grateful. I am grateful. It is a privilege to be able to run or to lift weights or do anything. Things we shouldn't take for granted. So that's just kind of how I personally choose to live my life. So Monday. I had to get back and do something. I had to do something physical for my body. So I was back at work and at work, work, I was staying in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the hotel gym and, you know, the, the lower body was obviously pretty trash. So what did I do? I trained my upper, upper body because yeah. <laughs> like my arms still work, my back still works. But yeah, the recovery, the main thing was the, the hips and the joints, the knee joints, but the muscles were fine the following day. But during the race, they were, they were like lightly sore, but not not terrible but you know i obviously not terrible because i do as you say i i go in the mountains a lot i use those muscles and continuing to tell you about like how i do something physical every day i squat and deadlift all the time so my legs are just very used to kind of that sore feeling or the you know the the soreness so it wasn't really a big thing for me outside of the the knee and joint pain or the knee and hip joint pain but it wasn't like overbearing i would yeah not at all which is kind of what you'd expect like yeah you were definitely rocked for a for maybe two days but like it, nothing that stops me from doing anything i mean I, I didn't go squat again um in the gym but uh i did on wednesday because uh, wednesday was squat day just like i squatted on wednesday before we before the half marathon like that's just that's what you that's what i do day. so that's what i had to follow i had to maintain and uh yeah it worked out just fine thankfully I mean, th- this is just a testament to weightlifting and, and you like you said, powerlifting, because we, we started to incorporate uh, weight training in the last few months. We had a DNF doing a 31-mile race in March, and we said, you know, if we're going to do it again, we might as well do it correctly. 
And so starting in March, we both started with weightlifting and I think it's helped my running and even my mountain climbing exponentially. I, I feel stronger and I feel mentally better. Now, how long have you been powerlifting? Was it prior mm-hmm. to starting to climb mountains, during? What's your story? Mm-hmm. Uh, so my story is coming up on a decade since like a total, um, you know, big kind of transformation, physical transformation. Um, I currently, currently 215. I was 300 pounds. Um, just like I was just your kind of typical 20, you know, man child in their <laughs> late twenties. And, uh, you know, quite pathetic when I think back to myself, but you ha- I had a, my wife and I had a daughter, my wife just like laid it out one night. Hey, what's the deal now? I mean, like, you know, you kind of got to get your act together here. And that was kind of the kick in the pants. And let, let's just say it was a little, like, it was a little more intense than that. You know, let's get your act together. But it was like, it was the kick that in the pants I needed. And then that just, that kick started the journey. And, uh, I, in the next like six months, I think I lost like 50 pounds. And then it's just been a constant, um, constant just never ending journey really like because that's like what a physical transformation is and it changes your mind the same way it changes your body and as so long as you just don't stop and you don't quit and you know kind of give up the give up the quest but it's been it's been a long time so i've been lifting weights consistently since you know for the last decade basically um and i've never missed a week some some weeks I don't train as much or some weeks I'm not not exactly like training heavy, but the powerlifting, the squatting, the deadlifting, that's been there from the get go for me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good decade of doing that. And it's when you're in the mountains, when you're climbing mountains and climbing mountains came later, came way after um, tra- lifting weights. But I've not found anything that translates more than squatting and deadlifting because you're putting a massive amount of you know, stress and pressure and work into those muscles that do most of the work when you're out there. Mm. And then, you know, like when you take, you know, you're hiking a mountain compared to doing a really heavy set of squats where you might, you're doing three reps or one rep or five reps, but heavy. It's like the amount of work that you're doing for hiking a mile is like percentage amount of the amount of work that it takes to stand up and sit down with that weight. So I found that it's like, it's weird. It's almost like if squatting, like I've used this before for people for like an analogy. If you have a bowl of cereal and that's everything and you squat, you squat, that equals the entire bowl of cereal. Whereas hiking, hiking, each step is like a single piece of like a single Cheerio in the, in the bowl. It's like you can do the same amount of work by doing heavy squats, which equals the whole bowl of cereal, Mm -hmm. or you could go hike a mountain which also you can do the same amount of work, but you can go so much. It You need so much more to equi- equal the same amount, which is each Cheerio in the bowl of cereal. I like that. So it's like, it's just, I find that that just translates so perfectly. It's like, it's the most bang for your buck to get ready to do those, the walking, the stepping up on the rocks and, you know, all of that. And just the, the strengthening your joints, strengthening your tendons, your ligaments, your muscles, everything. Nothing <clears throat> translates better in my opinion. Sorry, I'm just like, Oh, no, you're, we're so listening. This is fascinating. <laughs> I'm so used to doing podcasts all about, you know, all about the Adirondacks and hiking. And so it's it's fun to get to chat about a training or a, a totally different subject that is equally as um, equally as relevant and uh, 
a part of my life. So it's fun to talk about training. By all means. And as Tumble said, we've been doing this, um, I think since January, but seriously since March. Mm -hmm. So anything that we can learn, we are just soaking this up. Mm -hmm. So you've kind of inspired me. I need to incorporate more leg work. I find the squatting with the um, barbell very uncomfortable and I kind of cheat. I use a hack squat machine um, or the machines for the leg work. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that? I mean, I'm a big believer that the squat is the king, but I'm also a big believer that like not everyone has to do every single exercise. There's always variations of some that are better for better suited for others, or they just prefer them. I mean, this is, let's be honest, like us, you know, us training, like it is a hobby. It is something we do to better ourselves, (laughs) better our lives. And, you know, it's like, we're not saving any lives here. So there doesn't need, (laughs) there don't, don't need to be any hard, fast rules. But uh, if if the if the hack squat machine is what you like to do is what you work with, I would say hammer that hard. But what I would say is start focusing on strength. So strength will be in the and when I say strength, I don't mean you know doing 12, 15, 20 reps. I mean start doing it, getting stuff that's a little heavier in the five to ten rep range. And then once you start to really hammer that kind of rep range, because when you're doing weight that you can only do for five reps, it's heavier. I mean, and right. that's what's going to build certain, it's going to build a different type of strength. Like you're not going to build up the ligaments and the tendons nearly the same with the, you know, 20 reps as you are going to do with the heavy reps. And then you start to get your whole body working together. And I mean, talk about a, a translator for when you're out hiking, like, your back, you know, especially if you use trekking poles. Once you use trekking poles, you're adding so many more muscles to the mix of getting you to the top of the mountain. Your your back, your arms, your shoulders, um, they're all working together along with your legs and your hips and your glutes and whatnot. So, and your obviously your core in the upper back holding the backpack and everything. So it's like everything starts working together, and that's why I like the squat because it's like every muscle in your body has to work, you know, in synergy to get that get that weight up. But as I would recommend to you guys and to anyone who is trying to translate, you know, lifting weights, which I think is king. I think lifting weights is the way to go personally. Mm-hmm. And it obviously has translated to running pretty decently um, for myself. But when you focus on getting that, that lower rep range stronger, the heavier weight, and that's not saying you need to do any sort of max effort, single one rep max. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you need to do some weights that are actually challenging for you in that kind of five to 10 rep range rep range where it's like it's a challenge to get it because that's when you're hitting a different you're hitting a different type of muscle fiber you're hitting a different type of it's just a different type of training but it's going to translate and you know the same reason is like you know i'm running and i lift weights they're completely different but they all make you better so it's like i'm going to do it because it's going to make me better um but that's uh that would be my uh that would be my unsolicited recommendation for you. Though semi-solicited, you. but also <laughs> mostly unsolicited and just volunteered by me. Well, we it's did notice a difference. Um, last month was yeah. June, maybe? Yeah, wow. it was, yeah, it was June. <laughs> we, um, in the middle of that huge rainstorm, we did um, nigh after doing avalanche lake we didn't do the entire loop we went out to the hitch up matildas and back Mm -hmm. and then we regrouped at the lodge and then we went up nigh 
And then the next day, um, we cheated. We drove up the road. <laughs> the next day, we did um, Esther. We came down from the top and then went up. And I don't think we would have been able to do all of that if we hadn't been resistance training. Um, just I noticed my shoulders didn't hurt as much. Um, I think the core work, I've been doing a lot of dead bugs. I think that really helped as well. I think we would have been down and out after that first day if we hadn't been doing this resistance training. I mean, it was nearly so, a 20-mile day. That day. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. So That's great. We've seen a difference, so definitely. All right, and I will start incorporating um, lower reps, more weight into my leg days. So that's fantastic. So what's it? Think of the squat though, as a full body exercise, because really that's what it's doing. Everything's Mm. work. I mean, more so with a back squat than a hack squat. Sure. Um, yes, because the bar is on your back hanging from your back, but you know, in general, the squat is tends to be like full body, which is why I think it's the king, but yeah, uh, that's great. Incorporate those heavier reps, heavier, heavier weights. And, um, I know you'll see you'll see an improvement. And again, it's just it's all about the whole picture though. You know, you should still do the higher reps. You should still do the medium reps. You should just also do the the heavier stuff. And I know a lot of people shy away from that, but uh it's a shame because uh, it, it does have tremendous carryover for everything in life. Hmm. Now what makes um it powerlifting versus regular lifting? Uh, powerlifting is just the sport. So powerlifting oh, is a okay. actual sport. Um, so basically a powerlifting meet or powerlifting federations put on a powerlifting meet, mm-hmm. which is the competition. And, um, it's a squat, a bench press and a deadlift. Oh, so, wow. okay. so basically what you do is each lifter gets three attempts at three. So you get to do three reps you know one rep maxes of a squat three rep maxes one rep maxes of a bench press and then of a deadlift and your highest number squat plus your highest number bench press plus your highest number deadlift is your total and that's your score so that's a yeah that's an actual powerlifting is an actual actual sport sport oh okay incorporates those three lifts sorry i should should have been more clear but yeah that's a that's what that means so training for powerlifting so like and i'll i'll do powerlifting meets every so often and that's just the style of training that i kind of gravitate towards because of my background coming from powerlifting throughout this this decade of uh of a transformation in my life it's the it's the life of mr appleton that we don't know about this is awesome most people don't yeah (laughs) so i'm glad that we can explore this so in a powerlifting competition what would be in general, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you have different weight classes, but mm-hmm. what would be a um, respectable um, a respectable yeah. lift? Like how many pounds? Like what are, what are the pros doing in that? Uh, so as- like the, the world record – so like in powerlifting, there's like the, the – not it's not the gold standard, but it's the like if you hit this – it's the total that – everybody hopes one day they will make or like that if you're if you're hitting that you're hitting pro you're like kind of pro caliber but it's two thousand pounds so two thousand pounds adding up your your one squat your one bench and your one deadlift that's just like this like number if you can get that you are you are in the upper echelon of class now obviously most human beings are never (laughs) going to come close to those numbers whatsoever um 
but it all you know it's all different it, it depends on you know the weight classes obviously most lower weight classes are you know it's gonna it's gonna vary and most powerlifting meets are just everyday people competing and trying to better themselves and it's really just kind of you versus you when you're when you're in a powerlifting meet but people do still win and you still seek to win but uh in terms of numbers that 2000 mark is good and then other other kind of kind of let's say benchmark numbers would be a i think if they say it's a double body weight squat a one and a half body weight bench press and a triple body weight deadlift those are also kind of like benchmarks that people often try to go to and if you're hitting those numbers you are definitely in the upper echelon of your your weight class in terms of strength and that's a good way to kind of like divide it up to see what those numbers would be for for you okay and that's just purely how much weight you can lift that's not like a mr olympia where you're going for an aesthetic as well yeah it's, so it's all you know powerlifting is all strength based uh you'll see lots of you'll see lots of different body shapes so at a powerlifting meet you'll see big giant people that you're like man you're uh <laughs> i've never seen you i never th- think to see you ever lifting a weight but like holy crap you're the strongest person i've ever seen but then you'll also see people with physiques like bodybuilders and everything in between so it's all about just that quest for strength and you'd be shocked at how strong some people are. It's wild and it's awesome. But powerlifting meets, man, they're so great. <laughs> I mean, the running races are fun too, but the difference between a running race and a powerlifting meet is everyone's just running their own race on their own. And yeah, sometimes people are cheering for each other and whatnot. And you have the crowds on the side, that's cool. But like at a powerlifting meet, one person lifts. Like this guy, okay, it's you, this person's up for squat. Okay, the next person's up for squat. Okay, the next person. And everybody there is watching your rep. So everyone's cheering each other on the whole time, and it is just so great. It's a it's a great atmosphere. It's a great environment, and it's a, it's a fun sport. Very fun sport. That's awesome. I literally just came from Planet Fitness about an hour ago, and that you're talking about atmosphere – Everybody has their headphones in. Nobody talks to each other. You're not allowed to grunt. If you accidentally drop a weight, literally an alarm goes off. The lung so alarm. Yes. I, it's, God, I hate it. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely brutal. It gives you lots of time to silently reflect upon your life and what you're doing. But if you are looking for support or someone to help you out or, or not the place to go. Yeah, I could I could imagine. And uh, I suppose that's what uh, having uh, friends who lift uh, are for. That's actually a huge part of like people's draw to things like CrossFit gyms is the, like the community, the community aspect. Of right. It. The thing about Planet Fitness, let me just rip, let me just riff on Planet Fitness. Do it. Do it. I, I have only lifted at one Planet Fitness and this was many years ago uh, where I was working. It was the only gym around and it was 24 hours which I actually don't think any of the gyms in New York City are 24 hours anymore. Hmm. Um, but Planet Fitness was there, and that was when I was first introduced. So I was like, there's no barbells. There's no there's no free weights. Like I had no idea that dumbbells only go up to 50. And it's like I remember being so confused about this gym, and then at the lunk alarm, and I saw that on the <laughs> wall. Because I had never heard this. Pro- I mean, this was probably eight or nine years ago, about eight years ago now. This time I lifted it. I spent the summer training at this Planet Fitness. But uh, that Planet Fitness, so that was in, you know, it was just one Planet Fitness in Inwood in Manhattan, New York City. And uh, 
every Friday they had they had free pizza for their yes. for their people. Does every Planet Fitness do that? And then Saturday they had bagels, uh, free bagels, which is really smart uh, terms of business plan because yes, you know it's like. And I'm trust me, I hammer pizza. I am I am the first person to grab a slice of pizza. I would not live without pizza. But it seems like a weird look for gyms yes. to be like, here's your pizza, Correct. here are your bagels. It's just a weird look. Does your Planet Fitness do that as well? They do not. Okay. Um, maybe maybe it's it was the- just that gym. I don't know. But every Friday they had it, and every Saturday they had the bagels. There, I've heard that about Planet Fitness, but I have not seen that at my Planet Fitness. And yeah, it's the same thing. It's the cheapest. It's $22 a month, um, and it's the one that's the most local. So I'm kind of stuck there for now. But Yeah, I get it. You're absolutely right. Like I took a picture of the uh, Lunk Alarm sign today. I think I'm going to think of a creative, funny meme to do something with that <laughs> and put it up on our Instagram. The wheels are turning. Yeah, uh, well, go. that's why I crank. Too bad the, the retro's not closer because I there's a retro fitness literally right down the road from me. And these are all guys who were Gold's gym members. And, like, the 5 a.m. crowd, I love them because they're all the serious types. There's no funny business. There's weights higher than 50 at retro. There's <laughs> no silly lunk alarm. Um, so, highly recommend retro. So... All right, we're going off on a totally different plan than we originally thought we were. We were going to ask you about um, the new survey that they did. That's depressing, Cranky. Let's let's keep talking about this. <laughs> so, um, what are I was listening to another podcast and then I started doing some research on Ronnie Coleman. Are you familiar? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, and we. In the right by the dam in our campsite, the last time that we went hiking, we had downloaded some videos because we knew we were going to have service. And I introduced Tumbles to uh, the wonderful world of Ronnie Coleman. He's up to, I think, 13 spine surgeries. Yeah, probably. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, But the podcast I was listening to was talking about. There's a new classification in the DSM-4. It's called muscular dysphoria, and I immediately thought of Ronnie Coleman. It's these people that cannot stop. They they do way too much. Like Ron Coleman's a perfect example. Like he's got his entire back reconstructed. He's got more metal in him. Yeah, he's got more metal in him than a Terminator. But (laughs) he keeps going and he's literally killing himself because it's like a psychological thing that he's just unable to stop and he's never happy like have you encountered obviously not to that extent but have you encountered anything like that amongst you know the 10 years that you've been doing this uh no i mean i'm not i'm not out there breaking any world records i'm not out there (laughs) you know winning was it nine Mr. Olympias like Mr. Coleman? Um, yes. eight. Um, <laughs> I think it's eight. Eight, yeah, eight Olympias. But, uh, you know, pe- I mean, you're also like, you're talking about the people who did something that no other human being on planet Earth has ever done. So, like, someone like Ronnie Coleman, I, it'd be interesting to know how he feels now. Was it worth it? Was it this? Was it that? And I would have, to, I'd be very shocked if he said absolutely it was worth it. I mean, he is. His name will be remembered forever in terms of the the world of lifting. 
Um, so he's, you know, he's kind of a, an anomaly in that regard. And yeah, it's a real shame seeing what it's done to him, but also, you know, greatness requires some sacrifice and there's, th- you know, the Michael Jordans of the world, the Ronnie Coleman's, you know, most of us, most us mere mortals will never quite tap into the, the mindset that it takes to accomplish those types of things that people like him ha- have accomplished and do. But I've not seen anyone who's, I mean, I've seen people who are like, you know, grizzled after training, you know, for a lifetime totally. And I think that tends to happen. But I think the best way to do it is to, as you age and as you get older, uh, you know, you you get your priorities kind of in check. And that doesn't mean you stop, you know, training hard. It just sometimes you have to train smarter or train slightly different or you have to tweak this or tweak that. And I think that's just kind of a natural thing. But the, the people like Ronnie Coleman, I mean, like, in my opinion, will never be able to tap into that the brain that it took to to be that great and to do what needs to be done to be that great for even as long as he did it's it's pretty pretty impressive but yeah it's a shame it's a shame i think it was the same day or the day before one of his surgeries he's like i gotta go to the gym Mm -hmm. it's like yeah yeah he's also training around so i i I follow him on social media so i see him but he's just doing like what can he do yeah you know it's like like i was telling you about with after the half marathon it's like yeah my knees and my hips they were pretty sore. So, but I went to the gym the next day and what did I do? Okay. I trained my arms and my back and my, right. You know, my upper body because I could do that. So the same thing with Ronnie. And also, I mean, it's no different really than anyone who, let's say, you know, you're hiking or you're, the gym is your happy place or the mountains, your happy place, you know, like lifting weights. That's, that's his happy place. And for people who train all the time and like they, they're, they, they, the amount of life lessons you'll learn from a barbell or from the mountains, you know, like they're insane. It's incredible the amount of lessons that you can learn in these places. It's very much like you, it's up to you to put in the work to get where you want to go. And nothing showcases that better than a gym mm. or better than a mountain. No one can walk up the mountain for you. You have to get yes. yourself up there. So it's just like people like Ronnie Coleman who are either having spinal surgery, that's the gym is like where he is he is whole. That's who he is. So it's, you know, I can relate to, I hope to be, you know, I see these videos of these guys on Instagram that are, you know, in their eighties and nineties and like they're doing a powerlifting meet or they're dead. This, you know, this, I saw like a 91 year old woman deadlifting 200 pounds. I'm like, man, I just hope that I can be that one day because this is the gym is my happy place. But it's also like as mental as it is physical. And honestly, the amount of hours that I work in my line of work throughout the week and I still get to the gym I still train, I still sweat and like huff and puff because like it is as mental as it is physical and in in a good way though. It's, it's what, it's what kind of completes me and it calms me down. It, 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 that's, it's as just like, there's no other way to say it's, it's as mental as it is physical. Some people after a hard day's work, they want to go home and have a beer and play some video games. Totally cool. Do what you, that's your thing. That's what you do for people like myself. And I can tell the Ronnie Coleman's of the world, they get that same enjoyment from the gym, the atmosphere, the weights, the iron, the, your muscles working, your your heart breathing, beating, your lungs working. Like, so I can relate to it, and I hope hope I'm never hope I'm never having to get that type of surgery. Of course, he's pushing his body more than I could ever imagine of a human being. Right. But uh, in general, that's kind of how I feel about about Big Ronnie. Yeah. Lightweight. Okay. It's all about no, it's all you- about drive. I mean. 
uh, in the same vein, just this past weekend, you, you're familiar with Brian Twardy. Brian hikes all day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, he had just completed his Bob Marshall traverse, mm-hmm. and you know, in his Instagram post, it's like it's been months of training. 30 mile weekends every weekend to get where I am right now. And it's that grit. And I I think Cranky and I have that to an extent because all we want to do is go out and run or hike or lift and, you know, to get our bodies moving at least once a day Mm -hmm. because it, it makes us happy. That's great. Yeah. I did not have, the greatest weekend but like i said i just got back and even though i got back from my hour and a half of solitude at planet fitness i feel great because i got a a workout in Mm -hmm. um you were talking about guys that have as they've gotten older have kind of adjusted and scaled back i think arnold is a great example of that if you look at what he does today for a workout like it's very, very light. Obviously, he's 75 years old and has had, like, tons of heart surgeries. But I actually do – that's the workout that I did today. I actually do the workout that he, he does now, and I'm only 40, and it, it made me feel really good. But I think he's a great example of what you were talking about as as you get older, protecting yourself, still doing it, but protecting yourself. Yeah, you just got to kind of have some um... – you have to have some perspective. So, uh, for example, there's, uh, one of my business partners in a business that I run. He is a world-class power lifter. He has broken many records. His, his, he's been on ESPN. His name's Ray Williams. He's coming back from injury and he's, he has, you know, it, when you're, when you're at the top, when you've been a world champion multiple times and you're at the top level, like, that's where you've been and that's where you want to stay but he keep but now as he's getting older he keeps he keeps getting hurt so it's all it's one of those things where it's like you eventually have to have some perspective and it's like i can't keep doing this amount of you know this i can't keep pushing my body this much just like an nba player an nfl player like as they age they can't push their bodies as much because it just won't go mentally they're still there but physically they're not always able to keep up and i think you just eventually have to have some sort of clarity and some sort of um perspective that like for me for example i'm not breaking any world records so it does does it make a difference if my squat is 500 pounds or 550 pounds not really it's nowhere near any sort of world record or any sort of you know record of any kind so it's like if it if it grizzles me too much and it's not it's not having the right train um the right um sorry i'm blanking on the word it's not having the right carryover to the rest of my life or it's not making me feel feel better just like in general like i like to feel good right who doesn't then it you know you just kind of have to be pers- get some perspective and say okay let's scale this back and you can still always train with the same amount of intensity you just have and you know the effort you just have to sometimes shift it and scale it you know for like like to take it back to my buddy ray uh he's just you know Time is not on everyone's side, and uh, you have yep. to kind of start to understand when the returns might not be worth the investment. And, you know, it's it's hard for anyone to, to figure that out, but that's what you kind of do as you get older. You just got to start to figure out what makes sense. And, and, that, and again, that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm X 
age, so I'm going to never lift anything heavy. No, you should still be lifting things that are heavy. You should still be pushing yourself and doing what you can. You just have to be a little smarter about it. So you know, I tell you, I used to, I remember being 22 years old and lifting in the gym, um, you know, with a couple of buddies of mine and we did, we just lift like there was no, there was no form. There was no, there was no anything, but we would just lift as heavy as we could every day. And nobody ever got hurt ever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely, you're 22. yeah, it's exactly, it's absolutely crazy. Like no one ever, ever got hurt. No one ever tweaked a muscle. No one ever did this. No one ever ripped that. It's just like, and that was, that's why, like, when I started training for real, as I told you about when I was in my late 20s, I reverted to powerlifting because I had some experience in that in terms of being in the gym in that sort of training. But, like, when, yeah, when you're 22, nothing hurts. Nothing. You're a teenager and you don't hurt yourself. But then as you get older, you hit 30, you hit 35, you hit 40, and so on. Stuff gets hurt a little more often. But you can still work to kind of bulletproof those things the best you can. But it's funny how that happens. But yeah, just about clarity. Sorry, long-winded answer again, but I'm a yeah, podcast or two. No, oh, that's, we are learning so much from you right now. So I just Googled Ray Williams. Are you talking about Ray Orlando Williams? I am, yeah. Uh, so he currently, for our listeners and for Tumbles over there, Hello. he currently holds the <laughs> world record for the heaviest drug-tested raw unassisted squat at 1,080 pounds. Yeah, that's he's crazy. A monster. He's a monster. <laughs> and I've been looking up your name, sir, and I see you in the 2019 RPS Winter Classic. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, good times. <laughs> Look at that. Number 11. Well done. Yeah, so, fun times. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's just like one of one of many powerlifting meets that I've done in the that I've done throughout throughout uh my uh training here it's just you know you do i sign up for powerlifting meets i'll do one here do one there or maybe a strongman contest because i really like the sport of strongman too you know you've seen like world's strongest man on television mm -hmm. that's that sport is called strongman cool. um and they same thing they do local meets local competitions of course in strongman it's called a contest and powerlifting it's called a meet and uh nice. you know people get bent out of shape when you use the wrong terminology which is weird <laughs> but uh same thing um yeah, there's so just would like, that be. I'm sorry things. to interrupt you. Would that be like Brian Shaw? Yeah, that. Well, that's the sport. I'm not competing against people. Right. Yeah, like obviously. Brian Shaw. But yeah, but yeah that is the I'm sport. trying to like get oriented here. Sure. So Brian Shaw is different than uh, Ronnie Co Coleman. Gotcha. Yeah, Ronnie Coleman is a bodybuilder. Right. Okay. Doing the sport, uh, the sport of bodybuilding, and then Ray Williams is a powerlifter doing the sport of powerlifting, and. Brian Shaw would be a strongman doing the sport of strongman. It's kind of like, cool. you know, if you don't know, you might think an Ironman and a marathon runner are like, oh, they're the same thing. But like a triathlete would be like, whoa, we are yep. very, very different. Mm. Um, I do, I do all of these things. A marathon runner runs marathon, so it's like, to the outside person, they're the same thing. But when you start to get into it, they're they're just like different sports with similar uh, training and vibes and you know communities. I guess a question that I have looking at these rankings here is you have a total of your squat, your bench, and your deadlift, and then there's something called Wilkes. What's yeah, Wilkes score – Wilkes, I don't really know how it's calculated. All that does is it it ranks you compared to everybody else with what your total is, mm -hmm. and it has a ratio involving your body weight. I don't exactly oh, okay. remember how it's calculated, but it's just so it's like – 
if you have the highest Wilk score, like you could, you could have lifted, you know, let's say 1500 pounds and you were in 220, but the person who won the overall ship powerlifting meet hit 2000 pounds, but they weighed 308. So it's just like, it's just try, just trying to find like pound for pound who was the strongest today, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. As I recall, I'm pretty sure that's what, how the Wilk scores are calculated, but I never actually really known because i don't really follow it closely enough because to me it's just like i don't really care yeah <laughs> I don't really care. so we don't want to keep you too long but um i we did want to give you an opportunity you have two new ventures at least new to us that we had not been aware of you have an ebook and mm-hmm. you are now an officially licensed guide so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the ebook first Sure. The ebook is called From 1 to 46, A Complete Guide to Climbing the 46 High Peaks. And basically, you know, I have a podcast about it, um, about climbing, hiking in the Adirondacks, being in the Adirondacks, doing outdoor recreation in this park. And I get I would just like always get hammered with questions from people. So I eventually, you know, decided, okay, I'm going to put all this information out in a very easily digestible ebook. You know, it's a 20,000 word ebook. So like there is, you know, there is some content in there for sure in terms of about each mountain. But I basically was like, okay, what do people want to know? What would I want to know if I was going elsewhere? You know, I would want to know, okay, if there's this amount of mountains, what mountains pair well together? Where should I park for them? For them, What are things that I should know? And I just started taking all this information that I would want to know. And I basically wrote that about climbing the 46 high peaks here in the Adirondacks. And it's for sale on my website, 46of46.com. But it's, it's just, you know, right to the point. Here's the information you want to know. You know, there's, I have it broken down into 18 different day hikes that you could do. And of course, the route is optional. Um, you know, you can, you don't have to take my route for it, but there's, you know, which mountains pair best. I have GPS coordinates. It's just really the details of every hike and, you know, high peaks tips and tricks that I've learned along the way. And basically I just wanted to help people avoid, you know, that kind of endless research on the internet and, or asking a question in some online forum where they get, you know, kind of berated by other people. Yes. We all know what that's yes. like. Yep. You know, I, and again, I, I saw that all the time. So there was a need and I just decided I'm going to fill this need because it's going to be helpful for people. And it has been, and it's been a, it's been a fun adventure. And that was the first book. Um, and I'll be, there'll be, there's more books coming, but uh, there's a publisher involved now. So that's oh, exciting, but that's um, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's been, it's, I, I never expected writing to be something that I ever did or do but it's funny because from doing this podcast especially the first i don't know third first 50 episodes of my podcast are all just like trail episodes about my hiking out there and retelling the story so i wrote these stories down and it's like from that i just started i was just always writing and to the, i'm still always writing so it's kind of funny how organically this world of writing has just occurred and it's i one of the biggest compliments I get, quite frankly, is when people read the ebook and they'll send me a message saying that they're reading the ebook in my voice, like in their head, it's in my <laughs> nice. voice. So I appreciate that because I write the way I speak. So I just write what I'm speaking about. And uh, that's how I do it. But yeah, there's there's more stuff coming, which is exciting. 
And that's the first of the of the ventures, though, is that ebook. And yeah, so if you want to climb the 46 high peaks and uh, you want to know where to start, that resource has just everything you'll need to know uh, outside of buying an actual paper map. But that re- that ebook also has custom maps. But I would still recommend buying the the actual map to have in your in your um, in your backpack. So that's the ebook, but the guide service, yeah, just a licensed New York State guide for hiking and camping. I mean, there's millions of us, but uh, yeah. So if you want to hire a guide to take you to the top of the mountain or go camping, hit me up. Love to chat. How long have you been doing that? Uh, a couple years now. Um, yeah, three years. Yeah, so not too long, but uh, you know, there obviously the podcast is a platform and um you know, gets the word out. And that's, I mean, all of the, all of the clients have come as from podcast listeners. So that's yes, helpful. I'm sure. That's great. Yeah. So but about how many clients do you, would you say you have in a year on average? Hmm. That's tough because yeah, here, I'll give you, I'll give you a ratio. The amount of emails I get in a year about someone looking for a guide are drastically higher than the amount of people that actually go through and book a guide. Mm. So that that's one thing to keep in mind. But yeah, I mean, you know, you'll, I, I don't even know how to really put it into numbers because it's just kind of like a thing I do on the side is like an additional little side hustle and something to do. But yeah, I don't know, 10, 15. Okay. Okay. I mean, amongst doing everything else that you do. So yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's just like a side hustle kind of thing. And I know I like being out there in the mountains. I like talking about the Adirondacks with people. And usually the people that come up are new to it. So that's, that's, that's exciting, right? Yeah. So it's like that puts me that kind of puts me in my sweet spot just getting to chat with them and talk Explain about Explain the history and about the park and Yeah, and just point out mountains that they, you know, what wondering what they're looking at and just being able to point it out and then they can research that mountain and see if they want to go up that and yeah. Very nice. Well That is absolutely I, fantastic. I guess as kind of a, a last question before before we we uh wrap up here is do you have a story you'd like to share with us a trail tale if you will yes we're still ripping that off yes we are <laughs> we don't <Okay>. care <laughs> unashamedly tale. still ripping that off from kyle yes sure uh i can yeah sure i'll tell a quick story all right and i'll keep it quick um and this will kind of help to show people like how my mindset and my kind of psyche is, you know, is bizarre, which hence the like signing up for the marathon the day before. <laughs> sure. Why not? Or the half marathon. Let's give it a try. So this is just kind of another example of that. So while I was doing my original 46 high peaks, and if you listen to my episode on the podcast called Marcy Skylight, Gray, Cliff and Redfield. Mm-hmm. So that, that day was supposed to just be Marcy Skylight and Gray. So I hiked. So for people listening I, you know, Marcy Skylight and Gray, Marcy's the tallest mountain in the state. Gray is the, I think the ninth and, or seventh and, and, or Skylight's the seventh and Gray's the ninth, I believe. I think all three are in the top 10. So it's a, it's a big day. It's like a 20 mile day, no matter which way you slice it, more or less. But I had, I always start really early in the morning. I start around 4.30, you know, nice and dark. And I get a few miles in before the sun's come up and it puts me ahead of everybody else. And that's the way I like to be when I'm out in the mountains. So I was on top of Mount Marcy, which was the third peak of the day and the final peak. And it was like 11, I think it was like 11.30. And I said to myself, oh man, that was really treacherous getting in here. I really, it really sucks that I'm going to have to come back through here 
to go get those two mountains that I could see below me called Cliff and Redfield. I was like, man, I'm not that far from Cliff and Redfield. I should just go back down and go tag those mountains too while I'm here and then go back. And then I asked the the summit steward that was there on top of the mountain. And I said, Hey, do you think this would be wild if I added these? And he said, well, it's not noon and depends how you feel, but I don't know. So he didn't want to say yes, yes but also right. he just kind of gave me a non-answer, but I decided to tack those two mountains onto that day. And again, I was on the summit at nine 30, but you know, when you're in that moment, you look, you look at your map and you're like, okay, so it's, you know, X amount of miles down here. And then, Okay, it's only half a mile to get to the trail junction for this. This one's a mile up and this one's, I don't know, it's like 1.2 miles up. I was like, that's only two and a half. That's only three extra miles. Well, actually double that because you have to come back down. down. You have to go back. So it's like, but in my mind in that time, that was not on my radar at all. And I also, what was not on my radar is like, you have to remember, James, you're still eight miles back from the your your car yes it's it's 11 30 a.m you've been hiking already for seven hours since 4 30 but you still have eight miles to get back to your car you forget about these things in the moment when you're excited and you're like i'm going to add some extra mountains to the day because if i would have left at 11 30 and started going back you know how long is eight miles going to take it's still going to take a few hours mm-hmm. it's still eight miles whether you're walking on a road or you're walking down a mountain it's still a lot um, but of course none of that was on my radar so I went back down the mountain, went back all the way over, Tad Cliff and Redfield. It was one of the worst high peaks experiences of my life. Uh, and there's, I talk all about it in the podcast episode. You can hear the real story and the full story about that day. But it was one of those days where I just on a whim decided, let's do something wild and give it a go. And I finished. So it's fun. You know, it's fun to think back to now. Uh, the day was and I didn't finish the day. So that was 1130. I didn't finish until 930 p.m. Oh. So that was a nine hour <laughs> addition of a decision to grab those two peaks. But that was just another example of when I've pushed myself on a whim spontaneously and it worked out. And well, it was difficult and it sucked and I hated every second of it while I was on coming. I remember coming down cliff and just being like, Oh, look at these amazing views. Don't care about them like one bit right now. I don't care at all. I just want to be home. And even in that moment, I'm still like eight miles back from my car when I'm at that moment. So the walk back, you could imagine, was slow and miserable. And this is just me solo hiking, you know, and no iPhone or no headphones or anything like that. So it's like a long time to be in your head when you're out there solo for, I guess that was 17 hours, 16 hours, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of like, for some reason, that's just what I do. I push myself, but these are kind of days, you know, it's like days like that, that made me confident that the half marathon would, would go well, would go smooth because when you push yourself so often, even though sometimes they're stupid or they're hard or you hate it in the moment at the end, now you look back and you're like, wow, but I, but I did it, right. but I finished, I made it. So and you it just kind of start to build that confidence. It, of course, it provides a good story, and it it, prov- it builds your own confidence, and you know the of what you're capable of. And when you push yourself, and you start to start to learn what you're capable of, you'll suddenly realize the roof is a lot higher than you ever thought it was. Absolutely, that is a perfect sentiment to end on. 
Um, can you give us all of your plugs, the podcast, the book, anything else that you would like people to go, the guide service, um, anything that you would like people to sure. search you out? Yeah, sure. So you can you can find everything about my podcast at 46of46.com if you're into the Adirondacks or the outdoors in the Adirondacks or you're about to go up there. That's the place to go. Highly recommend checking it out uh, on Instagram at 46of46podcast. And my guide service, yeah, it's all booked through 46of46.com. So that's kind of that's kind of my main hub. And then on top of that, another thing that I am a equally passionate about and is something that I've been building as well is called seek to do more the seek to do more program it's a 30-day challenge and it's basically the type of thing that builds this grit and this determination and this perseverance that I've been talking about throughout this whole podcast and uh, it's a it's a way to build all of that and again that's seek to do more.com uh, check it out if you're interested in you know, kind of building that same kind of mentality. And other than that, that's that's where you'll find Mr. James Appleton. And then also on Instagram at James Appleton forty six is like my personal Instagram. Wow, that sounds great. That that new venture sounds wonderful too. And good luck with it, certainly. But thank you, uh, thank you so much for chatting with us. We got to know so much about you this episode. Yes, this was fun. Yeah, yeah this was so we much fun. Yes, definitely. And yeah. we hope to catch up with you again sooner than later. Um, well, folks, this has been an excellent episode as usual because it's us and our uh, guests, of course. But you can find us also at rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore pod on Instagram. And Cranky, what is our TikTok? Oh, I have no, I'm literally <laughs> going to have to look. I know, I'm kidding. I was just trying to test you. All right, the TikTok is That's rocks failed. underscore roots underscore podcast. <laughs> Holy shit. Alrighty, folks. That's us. That's you. And that's Chuck.